to the Code to Be podcast, where we talk to people on their coding journey in hopes of helping you on yours. I'm your host, Saran, and since Code Newbie is doing a Learn in Public challenge this month, today we're going to talk all about learning in public with Gift Igwunu, front-end developer and past Codeland speaker, on the topic of learning in public. In order for you to move from one position to another or just stay relevant in the field, you always have to keep learning. Gift talks about why learning in public is the fastest way to learn, what learning in public can look like for different people, and getting over the hurdle of the anxiety of putting yourself out there after this. Are you looking to connect with a diverse audience of developers? Look no further. You can partner with us here at the Code Newbie Podcast, and we'll help get your message out to our incredible listeners in an ad just like this one, led by me, your host. Contact us by emailing sponsors at codenewbie.org. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So where did your coding journey begin? I have like a background in tech because I did computer science in my uni. So I have a computer science degree. And even before that, I think earlier on in my life, I was very interested in old things. Tech computers was one of my favorite tools to play with. But then I didn't really know so much about programming until, you know, I started doing my degree. And what was it about coding that resonated with you that got you excited? Every time I make something and I see it, you know, show up in the browser, it just gives me some kind of excitement. I feel like I can create anything and the possibilities to what you can do with tech is endless or with coding is endless. So it gives me so much joy to dig deeper and find out how to do more, how to create stuff. So you got your computer science degree at a university. What was that experience like? It was good, but not the best. I grew up in Nigeria, but I went to school in a different country, close by country. It's called Benin Republic. The difference between schooling in that kind of place is you don't get all of the resources you would expect to get. For example, I only learned about web development in my fourth year. And Mm. a lot of times what you typically get from those kind of degrees is mostly theory stuff. So after classes, I would go back home, try to learn as much as I can by reading PDFs then or, you know, checking out stuff on the Internet. Mm -hmm. But if you're not really keen on going one step further to learn this stuff, the only thing you come out of school with is just the theoretical knowledge of coding. And yeah, it's it's not the best, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But, but it, was, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a good four years. It was a good four years. Well, I wish I had more, basically. Uh-huh. <laughs> and how did you land your first full-time developer role? So I was very interested in getting an internship I started looking out for opportunities. Back then, there were companies that would put out, you know, job opportunities, looking for interns. They were quite difficult to find because mm-hmm. not everybody was keen on, you know, getting junior developers in, but some companies were. So 
I found first a boot camp, also looking for interns, right? So I joined as an intern and mm-hmm. I was learning at the time PHP. So they were open to having me work on an already existing team that we're building PHP applications. So I spent like a few months there working as an intern and I wasn't being compensated for my time. And I thought, okay, I feel like I could get a better opportunity. So I found another internship that would do that, Mm. compensate me while I'm learning on the job. So I decided to take up that opportunity and it was even giving me more opportunity to do what I'm interested in learning. So at the time I was learning PHP, which was great, but I really wanted to get into front-end development, like learn Mm -hmm. JavaScript, for example. So the new internship opportunity that I got gave me that. And in a few months, they promoted me to junior developer. So that's kind of my progression into getting into, you know, front-end development as a career. And was that your job at Hire Free Hands or is that something else? Yeah, that was that was the one. And what about your work these days? What are you up to? I'm currently in a position where I'll be transitioning into a new role. Mm-hmm. I have been working as a front-end engineer for, for the last five years now. And nice. apart from that, doing that on the side, I enjoy sharing a lot of my knowledge, things that I'm working on. I speak at conferences when I can make videos on YouTube about tech. And some of these elements of what we call like the role developer relations or developer advocacy. And I've been doing it for like a few years. Mm -hmm. And sometime last year, a couple of months ago, I got hired to work as a developer advocate for a company. And I'll be starting next month. So that's nice. where I'm going to next. But right mm-hmm, now, I mm-hmm. still call myself a front-end developer. But because even if I get that job, I'll still be doing what I know how to do best, front-end development. Very cool. So you gave a wonderful talk at Codeland last year about learning in public. And I wanted to dive more into that here. Can you talk generally about what learning in public has looked like for you? So the term learning in public, I like to think about it as sharing the work that you're doing or the stuff that you're learning in a public place. So that could be anywhere from like sharing it on Twitter or a community that you're part of, you know. And for me personally, I have practiced this even without knowing that it was, you know, a term that people use and if I remember back when I started was when I did the 100 Days of Code Challenge mm-hmm. and the Code Newbie Blog More Challenge in 2018. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. at the time, I was still learning JavaScript. Like I mentioned, I was working as an intern and I was really interested in you know <laughs> getting up to speed with what I was doing. And I figured that just learning on my own wasn't really going to help me one feel very motivated to learn while I'm also working. So I thought it would be nice to take up the challenge to do the 100 days of code. So that was how I think I started with the whole public learning thing. I was able to complete the challenge and during the time while I was learning, I was building some small projects. I was also sharing it on Twitter 
at the end of every week, I would write like a summary blog post of what I was able to achieve for the week and the things that I created. So for the blog more challenge, I was also interested in, you know, writing more blog posts and sharing the stuff that I was learning. And I decided to take up that challenge because I think first I was very scared of sharing the stuff that I was doing, but I feel like if I was part of a community that was doing that, maybe that would give me more, you know, motivation and courage to do the stuff or to share the stuff that I was learning. So I decided to take that up. I created a blog and I was consistently sharing. For example, if I learned a new technology, I would write a blog post or build an application and write a blog post about it. And that was how I really started with the whole learning in public thing. And were you nervous to open yourself up like that and put your work you know, up on the internet and, and available to the world? Of course, yeah. Still nervous. Still, still nervous still now because... I don't see that feeling going away anytime because mm. for every new challenge that I take up, for every new thing that I try to do, I always feel nervous. But the good thing is I try to get past that, you know, feeling and still go ahead to do the thing. So, for example, when I first started making videos, I'm not very, I wasn't feeling very comfortable doing it, but I still mm. decided to go ahead to, to do it. And what I find from just pushing through all of those feelings is over time, you get comfortable with doing it. And the more you invest your energy into it, the more you feel comfortable. The feeling might really not go away because you know, later on, you might you might decide to even take up more challenges that you've never tried before and you still feel nervous, you know. But just having it at the back of your head that it's fine, it's okay to feel this way, I'm going to get over it. That's what kept me going. And what was it that pushed you to make your learning process public in the first place? What, what was the, the idea behind that? One thing that I know is... <laughs> I could as well do everything that I'm doing in private, right? Not mm -hmm, share mm -hmm. it. And right. I would still learn, right? But something that I learned from the first time that I did it, which is the 100 years of code challenge, was the effect that it, it adds a lot more than I would have expected. For example, by sharing publicly, especially in a way that attracts like a community to you or if you're sharing in a community kind of place like for example Twitter what that gives you is added support makes you a little bit confident especially when people see the stuff that you're doing and they give you good feedback mm -hmm. so that's one thing the other thing that I've seen as an added benefit of public learning is in a long run you're kind of building a I don't know if I should call it a personal brand for yourself, but you're kind of building yourself even without you knowing that you're doing that. In I'm talking now in a professional way because when you share stuff you're doing and in a way you're teaching other people, you know, how to use, for example, technologies that you just learned. This is going to open up opportunities for you that you never have imagined. So, for example, personally... When I started blogging, I was just doing it because I was enjoying it and I was okay talking about the thing that I just learned, making it, writing mm -hmm. a blog post and posting it online. But 
in a long run, people started seeing me as a go-to person to ask for, for example, resources or ask me to teach them some technologies. And I mm. even started seeing publications reach out to me to write. And mm -hmm. if I had literally not started doing that, sharing the stuff that I was doing, I don't think that that would have happened to me. You know, that's just one example. Even the first time that I decided to do public speaking, it's not something that I would have imagined that I would take up, you know, but mm. it was just part of me doing the same thing that I was doing, sharing the stuff that I was learning, you know, putting myself out there and everything. And it's very funny because I was never the person to stand in front of a crowd ever in my mm. life. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very scary. But I ended up doing it and I liked it. And I thought, okay, if I do more of this, then probably I'll feel comfortable to do mm -hmm. to do more. So that's how I started speaking at conferences. And mm -hmm. in the long run, all of these things would have not been possible if I just do everything that I'm doing, learning, sharing, just do it in private, you know. So mm -hmm. those are some of the benefits that I find from public learning. And did that work, this idea that, you know, if you just keep doing it, eventually you'll get a little bit more comfortable and it'll be easier for you? Did that happen? Yeah, it did. It did. The only time I see that it's a little bit challenging is me exploring new, new waters. It just takes time and then we'll be comfortable. Is your company looking to connect with a diverse audience of developers? Look no further. The dev community is the go-to destination for developers to learn, connect, and support each other. You can share your message with the 15 million developers that visit every single month by using our powerful native advertising platform. To learn more, visit dev.2 slash advertise. So in your Codeland talk, you discuss the importance of continuous learning. Can you talk about why it's not a good idea to close yourself off from learning new things in this field? So as we all know, in tech, things are consistently changing or not just changing, but there are new things that comes up, especially if you're looking at, you know, advancing your career in tech and you don't want to be stuck in one you know position all your career you have to always be learning and something that i learned is in order for you to move from one position to another or just stay relevant in the field you always have to keep learning and what i really shared in that talk was several different strategies for how you can always be learning so different learning techniques that you can apply to your career that would really help you. And one of those was learning in public. You also talked about how it's important to figure out the way you learn best and trying different learning techniques that can help you get there. Can you talk about some of those techniques and how you landed on learning in public for yourself? One of the techniques that I shared in that talk is called guided and unguided learning. And what this basically means is for guided learning is 
you kind of follow a path to learning a specific technology. So in a case where you're trying to learn, for example, Vue.js, you can either follow like a tutorial or a video course to learning that technology, while unguided learning is kind of like an unguided part to you learning that tech. You know, you're not specifically looking at following a course from beginning to end to learn it. It could be that you're actually working with the technology already, but you're trying to level up your skill and you check places like Stack Overflow, for example, or you try to build like a project and you're learning why you're building the project. That's a learning technique that I find a lot of people, a lot of developers actually follow, guided and unguided learning mm. path. And there's also the Feynman technique. And this technique is basically you trying to teach a concept to yourself or anyone like as if you're five. So it's mm. like five different processes. So first you find the subject or the technology that you're trying to learn or the concepts you're trying to learn. And then you pretend as if you're teaching it to someone that's five or you're explaining it to a child. You know, mm-hmm. once you do that, just to clarify that you understand what you're saying or you what you're teaching, if you find that there are no gaps in your knowledge, then that's great. You're absolutely good at what you're saying. But if you find that there is some gaps in your knowledge or in the way you're explaining it, then you have to go back to the source to learn and try to simplify the explanation and then try to teach it again to a child. So it just follows like that Mm. round process of trying to explain something to a child or to someone like you're five. And if you find Mm -hmm. that you do it really well without having to go back to the source, that clarifies that you are actually knowledgeable in that technology or in the concept you're trying to teach. But if you find that that's not the case, then you have to go back learn a bit more, cover the gaps that you have and do the sentence literally like a circle. And I think you also mentioned spaced repetition in your talk. Can you talk a little bit about what that is? How this works is you have to use like a system. It's called the Lightning system. So um, let's just imagine we have like three boxes, for example, with flashcards. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you take some flashcards and write down the concepts that you feel like you either want to clarify that you already know or you're trying to learn. So you just write them down in the flashcard, put them all in the first box, right? So the essence of space repetition is for you to learn something, take a bit of you know break or time. It could be like a space of like an hour, two hours, seven hours, I don't know, four days. It could be any time you set for yourself. And what happens is you go back to the first box and then you pick up the card and try to remember what, you know, you wrote there. If you can't remember, it's meaning that you learned the concept and you're trying to recall it. And if you can, then that's successful. You move it to the second box. So you do the same for all flashcards you have in the first box, right? Then Mm -hmm. space repetition here means that you always come back to it, try to remember it. So you can either set for yourself a schedule of probably seven days to two weeks, and then you come back to it and still try to remember. So you pick up a flashcard. If you try to recall it, but you can't, you have to move it back to the first box. So it follows that Mm -hmm. process of doing that till you get to the third box, right? Mm -hmm. 
So by mm-hmm. doing this over a spaced period, you find that your brain will automatically learn that concept and at least try to recall it for every time you try to remember. If you don't remember, you move it back. You mm-hmm. learn that mm-hmm. concept again, then you try some other time. So personally trying it, I saw that going over or repeating the same process over and over again to try to understand something would eventually make you get it and it, it, it to get to a point that you won't even forget it. So mm. this really works if you're trying to learn small, smaller chunks of things than a lot of things, because in this case, it could be you're trying to understand maybe for loop, you know, and you write mm-hmm. the concept or you put on a, on a piece of papers at least the syntax for for loop, you know, that would really work. So mm-hmm. I find that it works better if you're trying to learn smaller chunks than larger things. And the technique that you ended up using for yourself was learning in public. What made you pick that one? I still do the other ones regardless. But the one that I stuck with was learning in public. And this is because it felt more natural to me. Mm. I really like teaching because earlier on, before I even started in tech, I was like high school teacher for a bit. And Mm. I find that I enjoy doing it. So learning in public for me is kind of like learn something and then teach it. So Mm -hmm. that whole process really made sense to me so that's why i stuck with it and it could follow different paths i don't necessarily have to do one thing to get the results that i'm looking for so for me learning in public could be a lot of different things it could be for example me sharing like a snippet of something that i learned on twitter for example or writing a blog post on a topic or concept that i just learned or making a video, for example, a video tutorial on, you know, a technology. It could even be me going out to speak about the same topic in a conference, you know, mm-hmm. or even being here, like talking on a podcast, you know. It follows different methods, you know. You can do it in different ways. So for me, that feels more natural. And I like the essence that at the end, I still have the same results. I'm sharing the stuff that I'm doing. That's why I stuck with it. Of those uh, different techniques that you can use to, to learn, you say that learning in public is the fastest way to learn. Why is that? By following the process that I already shared earlier, you would find quick results from all the things that you're doing. So it could be that you are trying to build a project or you're trying to get more knowledgeable in a specific area and you use the learning in public method. For me, first, when I have it in mind that I'm going to learn something publicly, it gives me that added advantage that I really want to be sure that I know what I'm doing, like I know what I'm sharing, you know, so I try to do more than I would have done if I was just learning it privately. And what I mean is if, for example, I have a series that I'm making on probably JavaScript arrays and method, you know, I would spend more time and spend more energy making sure that the stuff that I'm sharing is actually legit and 
it makes sense that people would watch those videos that I'm making and they would understand it. What are some of the biggest positives you've experienced learning in public? Public learning has given me kind of the motivation to always make stuff or create stuff. In my career as a developer, I feel like I wouldn't be where I am if I've not done all those things that I did over the years leading up to this moment. Because thinking about it, if I had just been that developer that would, you know, do her nine to five when it's needed, learn a specific technology just to use at work and not do all the extra things I was doing now. I don't feel like, for example, I would be giving opportunities to speak at conferences or be giving opportunities to create content, you know, for other publications that I work with. So I feel like in a way, learning in public has given me some added advantage and also kind of giving me exposure. And if I had really not started doing stuff publicly, I don't feel like that would have happened. I just feel like I would just be like gifts, the front-end developer that just works and writes code at her job, I think. And what have been some of the biggest challenges you've encountered when learning the public? The fear of the unknown, I guess. Mm. So, for example, as much as I like doing this stuff, sometimes I feel not comfortable putting stuff out because I've experienced trolls, right? I have also seen that some people don't have empathy when they give feedback and it kind of makes me pull back into my shell of not sharing the stuff that I want to share. So preparing myself to also receive the negatives is something that I still struggle with. Another thing is staying consistent with the whole public learning thing because it also takes a lot of extra time if you're going to be committed to doing it especially for somebody that works like a full-time nine-to-five, sometimes they would probably want to spend their weekend just, you know, doing other things that's not relating to code. But I find that my weekends are mostly spent making content or trying to learn something that I would probably, you know, use for contents that I would make in the future, you know. And how have you dealt with some of that negative feedback on the internet? I don't know that I'm dealing with it well, but what I do is I just shove it away as much as possible, not dwell on it. Otherwise, it's just going to put you down. And the few times that I get feedback that I feel like, okay, maybe they are trying to tell me something, but you're not putting it or you're not phrasing it well, I'm going to Mm. try to ask to get more clarity on what you're saying, you know, but allow them know that probably they would have phrased it better, I guess. But when I know somebody's trying to be a troll, then I don't bother giving them that. <laughs> I just shove it away and move on. But if I find that probably there is like a few things that he said that made sense that I could actually improve on, then I just take that feedback and do exactly that, improve on it. But Generally, I would say nothing prepares you for, you know, some kind of things you find on the internet. 
up next, Giff talks about why learning in public is important for people to do, outside of it being what she considers to be the fastest way to learn. After this. Now, I can see that there are many benefits to learning in public, accountability, making it a fast learning process, but I also imagine that it helps to build a network, a community of like-minded people. Can you talk about that aspect of learning in public and how that's looked for you? One of the added advantages of public learning is you get to build a community or be part of a bigger community. And for me personally, I'm in a lot of different communities that advocate for, you know, sharing your knowledge, public learning and all of that. And I find that is a good way to have one confidence to keep doing the stuff that you're doing, especially when you see that, oh, this other person is also doing this and you're very good at what you're doing. So it gives you kind of a closed group of people where you can ask for, you know, feedback, you can get potential collaboration. For example, if you're looking at learning something, but you're not very good at it, you can actually collaborate with somebody else and you both do that together. There are different communities like that on Discord or on Slack where you could join. Having a community or being part of a community kind of gives you the motivation to keep doing what you're doing. You also get accountability partners, for example, from that. Mm. So I think it's, it's a very good thing to have. So besides the benefit of learning quickly, why do you think learning in public is important for people to do? First of all, I'd like to clarify that maybe not everybody would enjoy doing it because I know Mm -hmm. that some people are very private, Mm -hmm. but I would recommend you try doing it if, for example, you're looking to level up your skills in the industry, like you're trying to get to a certain level as a developer or you're looking for added exposure. So maybe you're thinking about learning React, for example, but you've never done that. I feel like you could take up the challenge to learn publicly and this would give you like opportunity to connect with other React developers, you know, other people that are making content as well. So well, first, before doing it, you should have like, what's your end goal? Like, why do you mm-hmm. want to actually learn publicly? Because if you go into it without, you just probably just see people doing that and you feel like, oh, it's something I can do. But you don't have like an end goal or you don't have something that would eventually make you do it for longer, like make you stay consistent. You might probably get tired and just drop out mm-hmm. because I see yeah. it as something you probably do for a very long, I don't want to say lifelong, but at least for the period of your career, you would keep doing it without even knowing, like, it's just something that becomes an habit, I guess. And who are some of your favorite people that you follow who are also learning in public that you might recommend our audience to check out? One of them is Angie, Angie Jones. She is one of my favorite people. I know that right now I'm learning crypto from her because I know she shares like newsletters on 
some crypto stuff, Web3 stuff, and I really like that. Um, someone else that comes to mind for me is Alice Peter. She also shares very nice tutorials, you know, content on web development. Mm -hmm. I also like Julia Evans because mm. I think one thing I, I, I didn't mention as one way you can do public learning is creating illustrations or making, mm -hmm. you know, cartoon designs and whatsoever. And she's really, really good at it. And I think someone else that comes to mind is Samantha Ming. I've not seen her content recently, but I know that I learned a lot of things from her, James Quick is someone mm -hmm. else I can think of. I think the person that I learned the term from, his name is Sean Wang. And I think if people are interested in just finding out other developers that are already doing this, there is like a hashtag on Twitter called Learning Public or Learning in Public. Then you mm -hmm. find more people that also participate in this. Now, at the end of every episode, we ask our guests to fill in the blanks of some very important questions. Gift, are you ready to fill in the blanks? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number one, worst advice I've ever received is? Worst advice I've ever received is when someone told me to be comfortable in my comfort zone. I don't know that that, that was a good advice because it's basically telling me not to go for what I want or not to be ambitious. Mm. It's okay to be content with where I'm at, mm. you know? So I, I don't think that was a good advice. Mm -hmm. Number two, best advice I've ever received is? The best advice I've received is to show up every day and do at least 1% of the work if you can. I would explain hmm. this. So a lot of us, we, we fight with inconsistency and we probably would end up not you know, going for what we want or achieving what we want because we feel like if we're not doing it 100% every time, then we're not doing anything. But something that I've learned is just showing up and doing at least 1% of the work eventually is going to compound to yield better results for you. So if I can, I'm going to go ahead and just do a bit and at least do it every time, every day, and then you'd see results, good results. Number three, my first coding project was about? Uh, my first coding project was a website that built for my final year thesis. It was mm -hmm. a human rights website. So basically, I created this website where people, citizens could go and learn more about their human rights. So it listed the constitutional human rights on the website and very easy for people to access. And I think that was a fun one because I was just learning HTML and CSS then. And number four, one thing I wish I knew when I first started to code is? To always ask questions, like ask a lot mm. of questions. And at the time when I was learning, I felt like I should probably ask good questions. Like there's nothing like good questions. You could even ask stupid questions. It's fine. As long as you get, you know, what you're looking for, you get answers to those questions. So a lot of times some people shy away from asking questions because they feel like maybe the people they are asking might feel like, oh, 
they should already know that. Like, why are you asking that question, you know? And personally, I felt that way a lot <laughs> when I was learning or when I started coding. What I would say is ask all of your questions, regardless of how stupid or if you think they are not relevant, just go on to ask them. You'd end up thanking yourself later on. Well, thank you again so much for joining us, Gift. Thank you for having me. This show is produced and mixed by Levi Sharp. You can reach out to us on Twitter at CodeNewbies or send me an email, hello at CodeNewbie.org. Join us for our weekly Twitter chats. We've got our Wednesday chats at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and our weekly coding check-in every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. For more info on the podcast, check out www.codenewbie.org slash podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week.